Good morning. We're glad that you're here today. We're going to be looking in a moment at the book of Jeremiah. The passage read a moment ago, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 32. Before we do so, I want to express appreciation to each of you for your presence today. We're glad that you're here. We're always thankful for the opportunity to be together as God's people. To those who are visiting, we invite you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We consider you an honored guest and we want to see you back here again. And it may be the case that you're looking for a church home. And if that happens to be your situation today, we invite you to consider the work here. We would love to have you come and join hands with us and help us to the best of our ability to make known Christ in this community. Today we're going to be looking at the book of Jeremiah and we're going to be talking about a nation that forgot God. I want to begin today by introducing you to a friend of mine. It might be the case that you know him. His name is Jeremiah. Jeremiah was one of God's great prophets of old. He began preaching on the eve of Babylonian captivity. God's people were about to go into 70 years of exile. They would later return to their homeland and begin rebuilding the temple. Jeremiah had an awesome task before him. What made his work so difficult was the fact that he was preaching and prophesying to a nation of people that had by and large forgotten Almighty God. And that seems somewhat incredulous when you think about all the blessings that God had bestowed on his people. I want to begin today by talking for a minute or two about Israel's relationship to God. In order for us to understand the theme of this lesson, we need to first of all consider his relationship to his own people. Let me begin by talking for a minute or two about God's association to Israel. And in chapter 3 at verse 14, Jeremiah on behalf of God summed up the relationship that Israel sustained to God. God said, I am married to you. And really that provides us with a fitting picture of the intimate relationship that Almighty God had to his people. And I would point out that those of us today that have obeyed the gospel, Paul would say in Romans chapter 7 at verse 4 that we have been married to Christ. And so we too enjoy a very special, intimate relationship with the Lord. But then let me call attention to God's affection for Israel. Yes, God was married to Israel, but he demonstrated time and again his affection for them. In chapter 31 at verse 3, Jeremiah would say on behalf of God, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Over and over again, the Bible talks about the great love that God has for his people. Under the old covenant, God lavished his love upon the nation. Today, we talk about the love of God, and the New Testament emphasizes that, that great love. Paul would say, but God commendeth his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus would say, for God so loved the world. 
Paul would tell us in Ephesians chapter 2 at verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy for the great love wherewith he loved us. And so God is a being of love and he showered his affection upon ancient Israel. And then let me call attention to God's actions on behalf of Israel. When you look at the book of Jeremiah, the prophet chronicles God's actions on behalf of his people. For example, back in chapter 2 at verse 5, God would ask them a profound question. What iniquity have you found in me or your fathers found in me that you have gone far from me? And it was on the basis of that question that Jeremiah pointed out how good God had been to them. You see, it was God that had delivered them out of Egyptian bondage. And God said, I brought you into a bountiful land that you might eat of its fruit and its goodness. We talk about the graciousness and goodness of Almighty God. The psalmist in Psalm 68, 19 would say, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits or blessings. God is a benevolent being. And he showered his great love and affection on ancient Israel and demonstrated it time and again. Now, having noted his relationship to Israel, let me call attention to their rebellion, Israel's rebellion against God. As we think about what the prophet is saying in chapter 2, verse 32, the passage read a moment ago, Jeremiah sums up the fact that God's people had forgotten him. He said, can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? And then he said, yet my people have forgotten me days without number. It's hard to believe that these people could have forgotten God. Sometimes we ask the question today, how could people forget about God? I mean, you think about ancient Israel and you ask the question, how could these people have forgotten about God? He had been good to them. He had blessed them. They had prospered under his watchful eye. And yet what did they do? Jeremiah said, they have forgotten me days without number. There are two things that maybe we would do well to consider in light of what Jeremiah said in chapter 2, verse 32. Especially when we ask the question, how could they have forgotten him? Because there were, there were things that had been done on their behalf that should have kept God in their memory. Number one, these people had the scriptures. God had given unto them his law. In Romans chapter 3, Paul asked the question, what advantage hath the Jew? And one of, one of the things that, that he reasoned with the people in Rome about in Romans chapter 3, he said, chiefly unto them had been given the oracles of God. God had given the Ten Commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai. Those commandments were to govern the life or the heart of ancient Israel. Some of those commandments were vertical in nature. They affected man's relationship to his God. And then there were horizontal commands, commandments that were intended to govern man's relationship with his fellow man. 
And so they had the scriptures as a safeguard to forgetting God. And then, secondly, they had the Sabbath. Now, sometimes we misunderstand the purpose or one of the purposes of the Sabbath under the Old Covenant. Back in Exodus, Exodus chapter 20, when God gave the Ten Commands to Moses, one of those commands was to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. The Sabbath was intended to cause ancient Israel to pause in the midst of their busy lives and to reflect upon God. In other words, it gave them the opportunity to step back from life and to remember the graciousness and goodness of Almighty God. And so what Jeremiah is saying is somewhat incredulous. These people had forgotten God. Now when people forget God, what happens? Well, Jeremiah said not only did they forget God, but they forsook God. Let me just give you some, some reasons why they forsook God. Let me call attention to what Jeremiah said in the long ago relative, relative to some of the earmarks or identifying marks of these people having forsaken Almighty God. Number one, Jeremiah said that these people were ingenious. And by that, I simply mean that they were wise, as he would say in chapter 4, verse 22, to do evil. Jeremiah said that they were wise to do evil, but to do good. He said they have no knowledge. I mean, think about it. Here were people that had the law of God governing their lives, and rather than doing good, they were intent on doing evil. They were devising ways or means to do evil in the sight of Almighty God. And then there's a second characteristic of these people. Not only were they ingenious, but they were imprudent. That is, they were unwise. They were reckless or careless, as we would say sometimes. Somebody asked the question, well, how so? In chapter 2, verse 17, Jeremiah asked a great question. He said, have you not brought these things on yourself in that you have forsaken the Lord? Over in chapter 6 at verse 10, Jeremiah would talk about how the word of God had become a reproach unto them. He said they have no delight in it. Now think about that for just a minute. Think about what Jeremiah is saying to these people in the long ago. He's saying they had turned a deaf ear to the word of God. They had no use for it. And so all the calamities that were about to come upon them, the fact that they were going into to exile in the land of Babylon, whose fault was that? Was it God's? No, they brought these things on, them, on themselves. And, and Jeremiah is saying, look, you people are reckless, you're careless, you're unwise. I mean, you have brought all of these troubles on your own head. Here's what Paul said many, many years ago. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Think about some of the nations of days gone by. You can go back and you can look at the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the children of Israel, the Grecians, the Romans, and bring it right on up to modern day. Nations in many respect, in many respects, bring mayhem on themselves 
when they turn a deaf ear to the word of God, when they turn away from God, or rather when they, when they just refuse to acknowledge Almighty God. I, I think about some of the problems that we're reaping in our country today. You know why some of the problems have become so, pro, so profound in our country today? Because we've turned a deaf ear to the word of God. And, and in effect, we've said we know better than God. There's a third characteristic of these people, that is they were idolatrous. Now, Jeremiah in the long ago in chapter 6, verse 13, characterized these people as being covetous. Paul would equate covetousness to idolatry. In chapter 2, Jeremiah would say that these people have followed after idols and they have become idolatrous. What a sad commentary on these people. God had said, you're not to have any other gods before me. And yet, what did they do? They became enthralled with pagan idolatry. And then there's a fourth characteristic, and that is they were insensitive. Look at chapter 6, verse 15. Here's what Jeremiah said in the long ago. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? His response, no. They were not at all ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. I was reading about a fellow the other day, a very well-known figure, and they made the remark about him, he has no sense of shame. He has no shame. I think about a nation of people that had gotten beyond the scope of being ashamed at anything they did to the point they couldn't even blush. We live in a society today where people have become so intoxicated with the world. They've become so desensitized to right and wrong that there's no shame. I mean, people can live any way they want. They can live out of, out of wedlock, or rather they can, they can live in a state of open fornication, have children. Nobody thinks anything about it. People can live in a drunken stupor day in and day out. Nobody thinks anything about it. People can engage in lying Nobody thinks anything about it. People can be not just dishonest, but heartless, cruel, violent. People don't think anything about it. Turn on the evening news. Listen, if you would, carefully to what's being said on the news every night. Not much positive being said. And it seems like there's so much mayhem and so much violence and so much crime and the problems are so rampant that we become immune to it. We don't even think anything about it. That's what was happening in the days of Jeremiah. People had become insensitive to right and wrong. How, how could that have happened? Well, they forgot God. And having forgotten him, they forsook him. And then there's a there's a fifth characteristic I want to share with you, and that is they were irresponsible. Listen, if you would now, to what Jeremiah said in verse 23 of chapter 7. He said, this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I'll be your God, and you shall be my people, and walk in all the ways that I've commanded you, that it may be well with you. 
If you look at what God said to ancient Israel going all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy, God had said, he had said explicitly to his people, if you'll do what I say, I'll bless you. It'll be well with you. If you fail to honor my word, what's going to happen? You're going to face a lot of heartache, a lot of trouble. He said, I'll either bless you or I'll curse you. God was very upfront with the nation of Israel. And God is saying here, he's reminding them, look, I gave you a law. You honor this law, it'll go well with you. But note what he says, verse 24. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart and went backward and not forward. Jeremiah is saying, look, rather than allowing the word of God to be a pattern for your lives, you know what you did? You just did what you wanted to do. In the book of Judges, the writer there talks about how in the days of those people, there was no king in Israel. And he said, every man did what was right in his own eyes. That's a commentary of these people. And really, if you look at our society today, it's a commentary on our nation, on our world. There is no divine standard in the minds of people. It's just do what you want to do. Live how you want to live. You make up the laws as you go along. Well, God is saying, look, these people forsook me. Not only did they forget me, they forsook me. And then he said they went backward and not forward. We talk about forward progress in our nation today. Look at all the things that have taken place in the last hundred years in our, in our nation. Look at the technology. We have been so blessed. I mean, I think about some of the things that have taken place just in the last 25 years. Unbelievable. And so in one way, we have progressed. In another way, what's happened? We've digressed, haven't we? Jeremiah is saying, look, rather than going forward, you people have gone backward. And in many respects, we too have gone backward. Now, what about the road home to God? What about Israel's road home to Almighty God? Was it possible for them to make some changes? Well, the answer would be yes. You need to understand, though, that the choice was theirs. Two things I want to share with you along these lines. First of all, the will of God. What did God will on behalf of Israel? In other words, what did he want for them? Did he want to see them go into captivity? Did he want to see them face any number of difficulties and tribulations as a result of their sinful behavior? The answer is no. So look at Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. Here we have the will of God. Stand in the way and see, and ask for the old paths wherein is the good way, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. And they said, we will not walk in it. As we think about the will of God, God's will that they would look to that which was right. In chapter 4, God would say, in a very concise way, return to me. God wanted them back. I mean, these people were his people. He was married to them. And God was saying to these people, look, I want you back. God does not take any delight in seeing people live lives of unrighteousness. Why? Because it brings doom, brings destruction. God would say through the prophet Ezekiel, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God wanted these people to return to him. In a sense, they had committed spiritual adultery, hadn't they? And God's saying, look, I'm married to you people. I want you back. 
We're talking about somebody pleading with a nation of people. God was pleading through the prophet Jeremiah. And then the way to God. Well, the way to God spelled out, verse 16, chapter 6, stand in the way and see and ask for the old paths. Where the good way is, God's way is the good way. I promise you. Sometimes people, they, they misunderstand what the scriptures are all about. When God says, look, here's how I want you to live. And here are some things that will safeguard your life. God's saying it for our benefit. He's saying, look, if you'll do what I say, I will bless you. How do I know that? Well, it's not just a good way. It is a guaranteed, foolproof way. Listen to what he says. He said, as for the old past where the good way is, walk in it, and then you will find rest for your soul. God's way is guaranteed. It's not to say that when we choose to follow God, we're not going to have problems and trials and tribulations and temptations. Far from it. But it's saying that Almighty God will be with us every step of the way. That he'll bless us. It is a good way. It is a guaranteed way. And what Jeremiah was saying to these people is, look, if you'll follow Almighty God, if you'll turn back to him, if you'll come back to the old paths and walk according to the precepts of Almighty God, he'll bless you. I mean, these people were about to go into captivity. They were listening to the false prophets of their day. And Jeremiah's saying, look, you need to understand disaster's coming. I know that we do not live today under a theocracy as Israel did in the long ago. But we are living in a day and time when a lot of folks have turned their back on God. And there are a lot of people in our world today, they really have in their mindset, they know better than God. Look, God's way is the best way. You want to talk about the best way to live? It's live the Christian life. It's, it's the guaranteed way. Because you see, Almighty God, through his word, he can take you from earth to heaven, if you just do what he says. Jeremiah said, you'll find rest unto your souls. They were stubborn, disobedient, rebellious, because Jeremiah said, their response, we will not walk therein. They refused him, and they paid the price. That's why I asked the question in chapter 7, have you not brought this on yourself? We look at our nation today, and some of the problems that we're having morally, economically, Socially, racially, whatever. Look, many of the problems that we're facing in this country today, we have created ourselves. Those problems are self-inflicted. We have said as a nation of people in many respects, hey, we know better than God. Well, as the old fellow said one time, there's a payday someday. You can't sow bad seed and reap a good harvest. You're going to reap what you sow. It's true individually, and it's true nationally. It may be the case that you're here today, you're not a Christian. I want to encourage you to come to Christ, believing that he is the Son of God. Turn from a life of sin. It's called repentance. Confess the name of Christ, be buried with him in, in a watery grave of baptism. The Bible says... If you do that, God will forgive every sin, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. He will then add you to the church, Acts 2, verse 47. 
And if you'll be faithful until death, the promise is the crown of life. If you're here this morning and you're not faithful to the cause of Christ, could we encourage you to come back? To do what God said to Israel in the long ago, return to me, come home. If you do that, I promise you, he'll forgive you. John said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Would you come as we stand and sing?